0: food heals food heals podcast episode 144
1: food has the ability to change the biology in your body and that is the most empowering best easiest place to start always food is medicine it should be the first medicine ever used holistic voice presents the food heals podcast with your hosts allison melody and Susie hardy join the food
0: heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself
2: Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately.
0: Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today's guest, Amy Kurtz, has got an incredible healing story to share. Amy knows what it is like to feel the pain, the shame, the fear, the isolation, and the frustration that comes from being seriously unwell. She was even labeled the sick chick. Awful. Who the hell wants to be labeled the sick chick? It's the worst. On a visit to Israel in her 20s, Amy also got a parasite infection, which alongside her undiagnosed celiac disease and thyroid condition led to a total body shutdown. She gained 30 pounds in 30 days. No, I didn't make that up. I can't even imagine. She couldn't go to the bathroom or keep any solid food down. She ended up in the hospital and bedridden for over a month. After a marathon journey back to health via
2: doctors' offices, medical clinics, spiritual communities, IV labs, and healers, Amy is determined to help others live their healthiest life. She is now a certified health coach, Pilates instructor, detox expert, speaker, and writer. She teaches her clients how to tune into their body and intuitive wisdom so they can truly thrive.
0: And her book is beautiful. So we're going to talk about that next on the Food Heals Podcast.
2: The Food Heals Podcast starts now.
0: Today, we're here with author and holistic health coach, Amy Kurtz. Amy radically improved her health and shares the secrets to becoming a glow warrior in her book, Kicking Sick, Your Go-To Guide for Thriving with Chronic Health Conditions. Welcome, Amy. Hi, thank you. We're so glad to have you. So you have quite the healing journey.
1: Yes, it has been a long road.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We want to hear the full story. Tell us your road. Tell us about the
1: road. Um, My story started when I was about... 14. Before then, I was a really lively, happy-go-lucky, really kind of spunky kid. And when I was 14, I was running home from dance class to go do my homework so I could get back to dancing. And I bent down to pick up my math textbook off the floor, and I felt this shooting pain go up my spine. And I didn't know what it was, and I had never felt anything like it. And I remember crawling into my dad's office and saying, something's really wrong. And that sort of sent me and my parents onto this long journey of trying to figure out what the root cause of this muscular and nerve-based pain was. And it never went away from that day on. It basically stayed with me and was something I was always aware of. So my life drastically changed at the age of 14, as if it's not weird enough to be a girl at 14 anyway. Yeah. And then I had oh, <laughs> this on top of it. And you know, we went from specialist to specialist and nobody could provide the root cause of the pain or say that it could be food related. Mm -hmm. And it was in the nineties and people, at least the people I was seeing, weren't thinking that way. And so the answer was to medicate me with pretty heavy duty painkillers and muscle relaxants to kind of numb down the pain. Oh my god! I didn't know I was a kid. So I thought I just have to do this, I guess. And I knew that I was different from other kids my age and my friends, but... I didn't really understand the magnitude of it. So I stayed on those medicines for almost ten years. And then when I was twenty five, I took a trip abroad and I picked up a parasite infection and it tipped my entire body out of balance. It was as extreme as it sounds and you know, I gained thirty pounds in thirty days. I my oh hair was my falling out in clumps. I was aching. I couldn't keep up with everybody else in the group I was in. I couldn't catch my breath. I couldn't keep food down and I couldn't go to the bathroom. So I was in an all system shut down. And it was like as crazy as it sounds. It sounds so dramatic saying it, but it really was dramatic. This is horrifying. (laughs) I know. It it was scary. And I was 25 and then I came back. You're supposed
0: to be in your prime of your health at 25 and
1: also figuring out who you are in your life. And I, I was like in the middle of becoming who I wanted to be. And then this totally took me down. So when I came home, I had no choice but to go back to the drawing board and figure out what I had to do to help myself. It was in such a dire state that my condition demanded it. They found out through this that the root cause of that pain was celiac disease. And two days after I stopped eating gluten, my pain completely disappeared like it had never existed. This is something that totally ruled my life. And two days off of gluten, it was gone That's forever.
0: Wow! huge.
1: Yeah. So during that time, you know, my thyroid totally shut off because it was under stress. I had an infection because my body was worn down and I was a better host for something like that, whereas another person's body might be able to eliminate it basically every test came back positive. So it really forced me to go back and question everything I knew to be true, which was Western medicine. Mm-hmm. I had to go on this healing journey to figure out all the things I didn't know and then kind of connect the dots for myself.
2: And I have a question. So what advice were you given medically about how to move forward? What were your life w- was going to look like? Like, What were they telling you and what was your response to that? So when
1: I was 25, I got back and I, you know, I went from GI specialist to GI specialist who did a lot of testing. And when I tell you I was so weak, I could barely walk. I really was to the point where my dad, who's a doctor, was very alarmed at what was happening. And I went to this best GI specialist at this hospital in Philly, and they were like, food allergies don't matter. That's it. That's what I wanted to know. Thank Uh, you. (laughs) uh, So frustrating. They said, come back in 12 weeks and take this antibiotic. Of course. Which is worse for your GI tract. Oh my my gosh, the worst. So then I was like, what? I was in such an extreme state of desperation. My body demanded that I had to think differently. So I went from a string of these doctors that were just trying to give me a pill. It was just so much bigger than what a pill could ever do. And Western medicine is so important and so amazing, but it is only part of the healing equation. And when you have something chronic going on that's affecting all systems, it needs so much more to heal. So I had to really do all my research and put my thinking smart cap on and get online and start to figure out what else was out there other than just a pill prescription because my situation demanded it. From there, I started to explore functional medicine and started to think about the body as an ecosystem that has all these different parts that all need to work in harmony in order for it to function properly. But that was so foreign for me, and it took me a long time to get to people that thought that way.
2: And how, as your dad being a doctor, how, uh, or and your you know your parents coming from that kind of knowledge, how did they respond to the healing journey that you then embarked on? Well, we were all really in it together
1: because my parents and I went down this long road together when I was fourteen, and we all were kind of thrown into uncharted territory. And I had explored Western medicine as much as we could. You know, they took me to the best people that they knew of and when I got sick later in life, I think it brought up some concerns because to somebody who believes in one thing, the extreme opposite could seem scary and we're family and you know when you get sick, it throws every relationship you have into uncharted territory because you don't know how to act as the sick person and the people that love you don't know how to be either and so it can be a really stressful time, but They've seen my transformation and totally are my biggest supporters.
2: So if anything, it taught all of us, not just me. So um, I've been flipping through your book as we've been talking, and it is such a beautiful piece of work. And I don't say that often about healing books. And you have this whole section with your glow warriors, with these different ladies, different ages, different diagnoses, and their outlook on healing. And I've been a massage therapist for many years dealing with different clients with a lot of different medical issues. And tapping into the world of self-healing has always been just kind of a passion of mine. I think this is so important for people to see different people of different diagnoses and how they got through their journeys. Really beautiful work. Thank you so
1: much. That means so much to me. Thank you. I love the
2: cover. Yeah, as, as well as just a lot of really great information about mind, body, spirit, not just healing the physical, but the spiritual, the emotional, and the nutritional.
0: And how? what did you do to work on your, your mindset? Because like you say, you were labeled the sick chick. I mean, that's like being bullied as a kid. Like, that stuff sticks with you. It's kind of worse, though. It's like you're weak. Oh, you're you're the sick chick. Oh, like pity. I hate pity. (laughs) I despise pity. So how did you handle that? Because, I mean, right now, when we talk to you, you sound like the healthiest chick we know. Or did you appreciate it? (laughs) That's so nice. Because you were going through some
2: stuff where where most, most people your age were not dealing with. Or did you appreciate that kind of, like, what was it like? Being the sick chick. I mean, well, I say that because
1: I really identified myself that way because I had been sick from such a young age. It became such a big part of who I was that it almost defined me. And I tell this story... In the book, I'll just share it with you, but I tell this story where I was at my senior year in college, and I went to acting school, and <laughs> total career turnaround later after this, but I was in acting school, and the freshmen make fun of the seniors, and each freshman is assigned to a senior, and I didn't think I was in the skit, and then I realized that the freshman that was me was complaining and aching and had all these ailments, oh, and no. Kind of, kind of made me stunned at first. Like I, I really felt shocked. And then I thought about it and sat with it later because I thought, wow, I have this invisible condition and people think I'm just a hypochondriac. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go through that because when you have a chronic condition, they're oftentimes invisible. And what I mean by that yeah. is people don't see it on the outside. And when you're young, it becomes very hard to understand when people don't feel well, if they don't look sick. Right. So that was kind of jaw dropping for me to see that skit. And then later I realized, you know, I really did project that message out to the masses. I was always uncomfortable. I did always have to take extra care of myself. I really was in pain. Yeah, there was a lot of pity, but I also didn't look at myself differently. I kind of pitied myself, to be mm-hmm. honest.
0: Yeah. I mean, and and did you go into victim mode? Because I can imagine, like, it feels like during this type of time that everything is happening to you and you are the victim of circumstances beyond your control.
1: Totally. And I think a lot of people with any kind of chronic ailment can completely relate to that. In my book, I call it myself Baby Amy because – There was a part of me that got sick at such a young age Mm -hmm. that I related to myself as a victim of my circumstance. And so everybody else did around me too. And I had to take full responsibility for the way I saw what was happening to me in order to transform it and transform myself.
0: And I mean, look, a lot of people, Amy, cannot do that or have not yet been able to do that. We see people, older women, men, who are holding on to things, that victim mentality, life got me down, life happened to me, I am the victim. And how did you overcome that really? Because that is such a hard thing to overcome, especially when you experience it from the beginning of your life. And I think age 14 is still like, so young. Yeah. Really? <laughs> it is. Um, what are it, your secrets? It was, not,
1: <laughs> it was not easy. It was really hard. But I really had a rock bottom moment in a doctor's office where I told you I had had colon issues before and it wasn't working properly. And I went to about my 30th doctor and he said, listen, your colon is not going to work. You Mm. may as well remove it. No. I can't tell you why. And I just fell on the floor and started crying. And I was so desperately sad and felt so frustrated. And up until this point, I had been frantically searching for answers, throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what would stick and Mm -hmm. wanting to get on with my life. And when I heard this diagnosis, it made me hit rock bottom. And then I realized after I let myself feel all my feelings and finally process all of what had happened to me and the pain that I had felt Mm -hmm. in trying to figure it all out at such a young age... I let it go. I let myself cry. I let myself feel it because you've got to feel it to heal it. Oh, yeah, girl. I say that all the time.
0: <laughs> the best quote.
1: <laughs> and then I really realized that removing my colon wasn't the life I wanted to live. It wasn't an option for me. And somebody telling me that without giving me any example was not good enough for my life. Thank God. So it was that moment that I started to empower myself and look for different kinds of answers and rethink the way that I saw medicine and lifestyle and the way that I was really living. And that's mind, body, and spirit. So I got a lot of help. I did a lot of research, but I knew in that pivotal moment that that was not going to be my life. And it would have been easy for me to just listen to everything that everybody told me to do because I had been doing that since I was young. But sometimes you have a sharp wake-up call
2: and that moment completely woke me up. First of all, I com—I would have been a goddamn mess puddle on the floor <laughs> if someone had told me that, that what you heard. I mean, completely. Oh, I'm very emotional. I also went to acting school. I'm a very emotional person. But um, what I wanted to kind of delve into with you is that moment where you were given, after your 30th different doctor, this kind <laughs> of, we don't know what the hell is going on, but here's what we can do for you because we have no other options, which is something you didn't want to do and completely understandable. That kind of um, spirit where you're like, yeah, I'm going to look at what else I can do for me because you're not helping me with doctors. And I'm not saying that, again, Western medicine does a great job at certain things. I think with chronic issues or a lot of things where they don't know the root cause or they don't know how to heal it or they're not looking at food and your complete mind, body, spirit, life, Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of moment where you surrender to what you're dealing with and also delve into yourself as, this is my body and I get to decide versus a lot of people where that, that may succumb to, oh, you think I'm going to, you think, and I've met people like that where they are given no other options and except for something very extreme, whether that be surgery or chemo or whatnot. For instance, for things that, I know they use chemo now for a lot of different things, not cancer. I have a friend that had a, digestive issue and that's what they prescribed for because they they had no other idea how to help her so that what I want to get to is how did you deal with that moment or what was that like for you to kind of buck conventionality and go I'm going to seek what's best for me. And there's got to be something better that I can do because this is not going to work.
0: But it's like not everyone made the decision that you did, Amy. Like both of my parents made the decision to be cut, burned and get it cut out and then do the chemo and radiation, all the things they recommended. And they didn't make that decision. Like what is the difference between a person that does or doesn't make that decision? Is it intuition? Is it education? What was it for you? I
1: I speak about this a lot in my book and I think it's so important and it's nothing you know, there aren't people teaching you this. And for me, it first was intuitive. I had this jolting reaction to mm-hmm. it just feeling totally wrong. And I had been kind of ignoring that signal for a long time. And it took that extreme of saying, remove your colon, six feet of your body in your entire intestine to for me to wake up. Yeah. But what I say in the book, which I think is really important, is that people that Don't feel well, often hear their diagnosis from the doctor as a limitation or a wound that will never heal or something that completely defines who you are. And for me, in that moment, and for the Glow Warriors in the book, I think that there is a contrary belief because your diagnosis is only a part of who you are. It's only your physical body is struggling with your diagnosis. And people often forget that. So It really requires that the person be open to really connecting with themselves on a deep level. And when you don't feel well, it's not easy to do. You don't want to be with yourself because it feels like your body's abandoning you or not helping you out. And so it's not natural to be a kind friend to your body when when it feels like it's hurting you or rejecting you. My first thing is I think that people really need to think of their condition as only a part of who they are. Like if your hand is only a part of your arm, it's not Mm -hmm. what defines you at all. I think that if you think of your diagnosis, and you think of the idea of a mother and a child, if a child is sick, a mother is not likely to say, oh, screw you. It's not fast enough. But If you think about caring for your child, she would care and take care of her kid and assure them that they would do everything to get themselves better. And your physical body needs your mind and your emotions and your spirit to all be in line so that it can really take care of that one part of you that really is signaling that it needs your help, which is your physical body.
0: And you know what this is reminding me of, and it's a little bit off topic, but Sometimes when people get sick or they're experiencing chronic pain or they're told from a young age, like this runs in your family, they start to believe that something about the body is going to attack me or the body is bad or bad beliefs about their body. And an example of this that I hear over and over again that absolutely breaks my heart is women who grow up with breast cancer in their family. And so they're told their whole life and they honestly believe one day my breasts are going to like turn against me. This is their belief. I've heard this countless times. I can't even tell you how many times I've heard about this little like phenomenon. And therefore, before anything is even wrong with them, they go and have a mastectomy. Me because they say it's preventative mm-hmm. and then they are renowned for their brave choice. It disturbs me to no end to know that that's where they're the psychologically that their mind has gone that their body is about to attack them so they have to do this preventatively instead of realizing and with no fault of their own this is what they've been taught man you know I'm not blaming them but this is what society has taught them this is what maybe their parents have taught them or you know someone has taught them they grow up thinking their breasts are going to turn against them therefore they must do something preventative instead of realizing that they could make sure that they're eating anti-cancer foods, that they're making sure that they're, you know, doing their self breast exams, that they make sure that they're taking care of their body in every way possible rather than going under the knife, which can obviously cause so many complications, and then you can't breastfeed. And women's breasts are sacred. Unless it is an absolute medical emergency, do not Do not go that route. You know, it breaks my heart that people are doing this before they even are diagnosed. It's a very extreme action. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. Biology
2: has always been a hobby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like you know more than the doctor. That's weird
2: to say. I know. But like, I did want to become a doctor at one point. I took AP biology in 10th grade and freaking loved it. And I was like, this is amazing. And I would learn about, like, I remember reading encyclopedias when I was a kid about science. And it was really fascinating to me. At one point, I did consider becoming a doctor. You know, I was just always fascinated by that whole thing. But it is a very extreme stance. And I actually know someone who kind of did that. And it's, to me, such a sign of the knowledge that we were imparted by Western medicine and circumventing All of this stuff you could do preventatively or before that. So, and it's also very fear-based, you know, it's like, this could happen to you. So let's do this now. So you, it doesn't happen. That's what I was thinking is it's a
1: very fear-based idea. And because our world moves at such a fast pace now, it's easy to get swept up in fear and go down the fear rabbit hole and not take a minute to take a breath and sit with yourself and listen to your intuitive voice that is always with you that, unfortunately, in the medical landscape often gets sort of railroaded because Absolutely. there's always a quick fix.
2: Yep. And Well, it's so, controllable. Exactly. And that's what I always say about the difference between healing and curing. Yes. Doctors are taught to cure. They're taught that this surgery or this pill statistically or this procedure or whatnot, that's going to cure a majority of people that are experiencing this versus healing which is tapping into your body's own ability to fix itself. It's a self-regulatory system, usually if given what it needs. Those are two very different things, and they're not taught how to heal. Uh, they're taught how to cure. Yes,
1: you're totally and right. And how
2: do you heal? You heal with proper fluids, water, and nutrients, food from good sources, and right thinking, positive thinking, and love, and good air, and sleep, and those, that's how you heal.
0: And cure sounds good, but what we know it to mean is a band aid approach that doesn't heal the root cause.
1: Exactly. And the body is a miraculous and beautiful vessel that wants to work for you when you give it the opportunity to. Yeah, it's, it's true.
0: Them. That's a tweetable, everyone. Tweet it to me. <laughs> tweetable, <laughs> and it's not necessarily easier—the
2: easier route. Sometimes it is very, much easier to cure, and certain things we, you know, certain things that have been around for a few hundred years, where we do just, you know, just take a sinus infection, take this antibiotic. Okay, well, you can knock it out that way, or you can get an neti pot and take oregano oil and rest and get fluids. but it's not necessarily the easier route, but you're speaking my language—the healthier. <laughs> route. Am I turning you on, Amy?
0: <laughs> <laughs> So Amy, how did this all lead to your beautiful book? Tell us what that process was like. Did you decide to self-publish? Did you get a book deal? How did you collect the stories? We want to hear the whole process.
1: I actually woke up one day after having struggled for so long. And I just said to my boyfriend, I'm writing a book. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, I just know that I have to write a book. I have to put all of this information that took me so long to figure out for myself in such an isolating and frustrating process. And I just felt so alone going through it. I didn't have anybody to look to. I had to figure it all out myself. And I wanted to create sort of a one-stop shop roadmap for someone who is struggling with chronic illness, which unfortunately is one in two people in our country And I wanted to give them the tools that they need to thrive through a difficult experience and to make it deeply transformative for themselves instead of traumatic, and to teach them how to turn it around for themselves so that they don't spend another day thinking that their diagnosis defines who they are. So in creating this, I wanted to share my own stories. I wanted to put the glow warriors in which are champions of the good life and women who don't let their diagnosis define who they are and have a really strong spirit. I wanted to share all different women that could share their tips and tricks on how to heal and live well. And then I also wanted All of my top doctors, healers, luminaries, thought leaders that helped me in some way, whether that was in person or through a book I read, I wanted them all to weigh in on this one subject so that people didn't have to spend so much money or so much time looking for them and they could just have them all in one place. And my hope is that in doing so in some way, because every person is different, I would spark a new way of thinking for somebody who's going through something difficult and also make them feel that they really aren't alone. I was a professional patient for most of my life, and I understand where they are. And I also was a health coach for a functional medicine practitioner's office. So I've seen the medical landscape from both sides, and I could easily see what was missing. And that is how do you tailor a lifestyle around getting yourself well? And nobody really taught me that. And I didn't think anybody was really teaching that. So I wanted to create this book to really serve and help people.
0: Well, it is a beautiful book. Susie's reading it right now. I can't put it down because every other page, I'm like, oh, what's that? Oh, for instance, (laughs)
2: like you have all these work pages. I am a self-help psychological book junkie. I always have been. But that's not what this necessarily is. But you have all these pages where you can fill in. What do you need from friends, colleagues, family, you know, who they are, what you need, and then what I can do for them. And that is so interesting to me because you're not just asking, it's a give and a take. It's not just asking for what you need from them, which can be difficult for some people that aren't used to that. But then also giving back to them, even if the people doing, reading your book are kicking sick in the process. It's still realizing that in any relationship, there's a give and a take and you can give no matter where you're at not just take. That's a really, um, it's a beautiful book.
1: Thank you. I, so here's the deal with that is if you have a health condition, it doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody who loves you and it throws every relationship you have into uncharted territory. So it takes honest conversations, which is really hard, but if you love them and they love you, it's the best place to start. And then it's not just about them serving you or making you feel better. You have to get in there for yourself. It's not just for them, but you've got to connect with that person for you so that you're saying, hey, even if it's something as simple, hey, I can't go to the club anymore because I don't feel well. But if you want to come over and watch Sex in the City with me once a week – that would be awesome, and I'd still feel totally connected. What do you need from me? Right. So it puts you in the driver's seat of your life as opposed to feeling like the victim, which we were speaking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I wanted to empower people to kind of get in there for themselves.
0: And how did you collect stories of other people?
1: I interviewed a lot of women, and I knew what the glow warrior was in my mind. And I really wanted to capture this lightness of spirit. And the glow represents a softness and a peacefulness and a transformation from the inside out. And the warrior represents who you are when you aren't well, which is a fighter and that spirit. So I wanted to capture women that all sort of were peaceful warriors or what I call the glow warriors so that each of them are so different but they can inspire people in different ways.
0: Well, they're both super powerful words, so I love how you put them together. Can you tell us a little bit about what the process of writing the book was like and how did you get it to print? We have a lot of people who listen who are entrepreneurs and they're building their businesses after healing themselves. So what advice could you give a budding author? And do you know Deepak?
1: I
2: do.
0: I do do a
1: Facebook
2: Live with him on my book launch day. That's amazing. That's you have, incredible. She has all of these um, testimonials. Testimonials on the back of her book, and Deepak Chopra is one of them. So how do you get Deepak?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing was, is I had asked and then didn't hear anything, and then I got it the day that the book went to printer. <laughs> I no was like, way! Wow. Wow. Pull the book! Pull the book! It's Deepak. <laughs> so I would pull the book
2: too. The book. So the <laughs> answer is you asked. You asked. That's pretty much it. It's not easy,
1: but I I feel that people really respond well when something really comes from your heart. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, I really felt I was tapping into something that nobody is, was really talking about and that was really needed. And I think he felt that and I hope that's why he responded, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't I didn't even know if I could write, but I knew that I wanted to get it out there and it turned out that writing was very therapeutic for me. Yes. So I looked up what to do online, literally, and I went to a couple literary agents, and I told my story, and I picked one that really fit with me, and that's how I began, and it sort of just evolved into something that it was really meant to be for me to put this book out. It was deeply healing for me to write it. You know, as with anything new, you teach yourself how. That's what I did.
0: I love that. That's what I do, too. I just watch tutorials online to figure out anything.
1: (laughs) It's true. It's true. I... Like for diagnoses, do
2: not do that. Either. Okay, yeah, you're no, right. No, no, I'm no. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant entrepreneurial-wise.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, Let me no. rephrase. Thank you for calling I wound out. up on those pages
2: like, you might have this worm. Uh, yeah, Literally,
0: no. you have a bump on your skin or like, I always look up my dog stuff. And it is like, well, the dog has cancer and it's going to die. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, no, no, okay, no, no. So, yeah. <laughs> so I apologize let me rephrase when I need to learn something some new skill a skill something in my entrepreneurial endeavors I can find out how to do it online by watching tutorials and reading articles however if it is health related you are absolutely right do not google it and do not google image it okay it is bad late night scrolling do not do
1: it (laughs) leads you down a dangerous rabbit hole. Yes. But I, would, I would also say, you know, for somebody who wants to write, you know, look at who inspires you and watch how they've progressed over time. That's what I did is I was like you said before you were a self-help book junkie, that was me. And yeah. I needed to read all of these things and learn from all these people that are now in the book to help myself. And so that really
2: taught me how to develop my own voice. I was just going to say... People have voices. If our listeners have ever thought about writing, I came to writing later in my life, even though I've always enjoyed it, but I always like, I'm not a writer. Who's going to listen to me? And I had a lot of self-doubt about it. Hence all the self-help books. But uh, (laughs) growing past that and realizing, no, I do have a voice and Yeah, sometimes I sit down to write and it's not perfect or it's not even good and I have to read, I have to edit it. It's uh, in this day and age so important for people to share their experiences and for people, not only for them, whether it be about a healing journey or just a life experience, it helps other people. Totally. And it provides empathy for people. And I don't even think that I would
1: have gone through with writing it if I hadn't read the statistic And when I read how big that number is and how many people were affected, I just felt called to do it.
0: One out of two, you said, suffer from a chronic disease.
1: That's 365 million people. And most people aren't talking about it. And I knew that if I felt so alone and frustrated and isolated that all of these other people did too. And I really want to encourage the is conversation. That really to
0: one start. out
2: of two people? It's unbelievable, right? I know, isn't it? It's but it is believable. It, at is, the same time. <laughs> it is. But it's I, I would have never thought it was that high. I would think it was maybe a third, and I would think that's a lot, but one out of two. But no, but then if we talk about celiac, you know, effects from food, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's what
1: really happened is I just felt that if I needed this that other people did too. And also, I wanted to encourage people to start talking about it. It's time that we start approaching our diets differently, approaching the way we live, the chemicals we use, everything. You know, we're in a day and age that we have to start paying closer attention. The statistics speak for itself. And for me, seeing that really was the catalyst to make me go for the book because I know that there are people out there that could benefit.
0: Absolutely. So what advice would you give someone, let's say, it might just be they're suffering from chronic fatigue, they don't know if they have something, they haven't necessarily been diagnosed, but what steps can they take to just start feeling better? Well, I think
1: that diet is an amazing place to start for anything. It is so important. And food has the ability to change the biology in your body. And that is the most empowering, best, easiest place to start always. Food is medicine. And it should be the first medicine ever used.
0: Agreed 100%. That's why we call ourselves food heels. Our, wait,
2: wait, wait. We call ourselves what? Food heels. Sorry, I'd love to do that to her. <laughs> like and then she sings and it makes me happy. I like that too. It
1: made
0: me happy too. <laughs> I love making you girls happy.
1: And so that's the first thing I would say. The second thing is to remember that you know your body better than anyone, no matter what. And if you don't feel right, then the chances are something isn't right. And then it's up to you to be an expert on your condition. So it's not just go to the doctor and listen to what they say. It's find who the best person is. Find who the best person for you is because your individual needs are different than other people. And you need to be able to put your body into a state of healing and figuring out what's going on instead of feeling in fight or flight. And also when you don't feel well, you have to change your life. You have to completely change it. That means self-care rituals are super important. Lowering your stress levels. Food and diet is so important. And just really taking care of yourself like you would a kind friend.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like take care of that inner child because like that girl, that little girl that when she was 14 is still in there somewhere and it's taking care of her and we all have that little girl or little boy inside of us that needs nurturing and love and doesn't need to be judged and doesn't need to have harsh words and doesn't need to have negativity. And all we have to do is send them so much love. And that's a huge part of the healing process. Obviously, I also agree that food is so important, but so is the mental state. So is the emotional state. So is the spiritual state. I just had like the worst cold of my life. And it was just
2: a freaking head cold from the neck up. There was no body aches, no temperature. It wasn't a flu, but as Allison and Roxy can attest, as well as a couple of episodes where I was super stuffed up, I was really sick for like a week and a half. And you um, never get sick. And I never get sick. Every once in a while, but rarely. But I, not not usually for a week and a half. And I'm still and I'm still kind of fighting it. And I remember. Having a moment, like a poor me moment where I was like boiling water for tea and it was like the eighth day that I still can't breathe and doing all of my remedies that, you know, haven't made a dent. Haven't kicked in yet. And I was just like, (laughs) I miss being mothered like I really had this moment oh, no. like I have to freaking mother myself I, I want I want some because my mom's no longer here and I was like I really miss being mother and it was this really interesting moment I was like no well I'm a, I'm a grown woman I can mother myself I am doing that but it was like this really emotional just spot for me where I was like oh I miss that it's really nice to have that
0: kind of care yeah. I feel that way too I totally hear yeah. you yeah yeah all right Amy Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell everyone where they can find you online, buy your book, stalk you on Instagram, tweet you on Twitter, all that good stuff?
1: Yes. Come find me on amykurtz.com and join my wellness revolution. I want to see you there and help you get well and stay well and be well. And you can get my book, Kicking Sick, through my website on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Whole Foods. Yeah. Come join me. Join Amy. Do you have a tweetable you can leave us with? Will you do the
0: honors? Yes, because you emailed it to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Learn how to become a glow warrior despite your chronic illness with Amy Kurtz's book, Kicking Sick, on sale now. Hashtag Kicking Sick. Tweet it to Amy at Kurtz. Tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation. Use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast so we can see your post. I did that for you, Susie. Amy, thank you, know you so much. know I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great to
1: talk
2: to both of you. For all the show notes from today's show, go to foodhealsnation.com.
0: Also at foodhealsnation.com, you'll find all our discount codes. Hey, Allie, are you social? I'm social. Let's talk on social. Okay. Make sure to join our Food Heals Nation Facebook group at foodhealsgroup.com, where you can connect with other Food Heals listeners ask questions, add value, and of course, we've got Try Building Tuesday to help you build your business and your personal relationships, and we've got Self Promotion Saturday where you can post your links to your business, your blog, your recipes, your healing story, anything you want. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com
2: slash Nation.
0: And we're on Twitter and Instagram at Food Heals Nation. And you can follow my personal adventures at Melody TV. For all the show notes, go to foodhealsnation.com. See you next time, Food Heals Nation.